Hey, you up all night tossing and turning, mind racing. You just can't fall asleep. We're well, in the right place. Sleep with me is proud to present Game of Drones, a Game of Thrones podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with an episode destruction. I said it destruction again. Wow. We do it with an episode discussion. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. We're going to talk about Oathbreaker, Game of Thrones Season 4, Episode 4. I hope. I hope it's Episode 4. And that's going to create a safe place where you can take your mind off of whatever whatever it's spinning its wheels about. Now, you might watch Game of Thrones, you might not. But this podcast is, it's, uh, did I already say its goal is to create a safe place where you can put those things aside and drift off into dreamland? All you need to do is listen. I'm going to start out talking about some stuff. It might seem interesting. But as I go on, it's going to get more and more boring. And you're going to fall asleep. Next thing you know, you should be waking up for work. Now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody. It sounds strange. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, it might sound even stranger, but I think if you listen, uh, I hope it works. If not, we have other episodes that come out on Tuesdays and Thursdays that don't have to do with Game of Thrones. But that's it. This is a podcast to bore you to sleep. Give it a try. If, 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 if you're having trouble getting to sleep, I hope it works for you. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. You can find us on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash drones. D-R-O-N-E-S, I think. That's how you spell it. Feedback at Sleep With Me Podcast for feedback. On Twitter, at Dearest Scooter. I think that covers all the uh, basics. Welcome, this is your first time here. And I hope I help you fall asleep. All right, I just had two pieces of, uh, two thank yous to send out for uh, iTunes reviews. Thank you very much to A Flighty Broad from the U.S. of A. She, like some other folks out there, has yet to finish an episode. And uh, that's great and uh, crushing at the same time. But she also has a uh, flighty broad kind of plays with that uh, duality, I guess, of this podcast. Is that the right word, duality? She says we're weird but charming. Helps me get to sleep. Keep with us. Stories are rambling, but the voice is strangely soothing. Uh yeah, especially when I do the Porky Pig, offbeat, but increasingly boring. She says she's never given five stars to something for being boring. So thank you, Flighty Broadham. I'm proud to, to bore you. Wow. It, to think that this is wonderful, and that the, I was going to say, and to think this is what my life would become, and it's wonderful to be saying, you're welcome for boring you. Wow. I never thought I'd be in a position to be boring people and be happy about it. So weird. And then my little pony brony guy uh, from the U.S. of A. said we're amazingly effective. We put him to sleep. And he, I'm assuming because he's a brony instead of a bronette, is, uh, he likes to get besso. So do I. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad. I hope you like uh, Superdoll. And I hope you like Superdoll. Thank you both for taking the time to review and rate us on iTunes. Thank you. Next piece of housekeeping is our buddy Juan Tread, 
over at uh, wantred.com. He's got some new music up there. You can hear his version of uh, Touch of Grey at wantred.com slash grey. And uh, if you want to hear my reaction to it, it's on Twitter, what I was doing when I was listening to it. So thanks, Juan, or Mr. Tread, or Juan Tread. Thank you. And the second piece, or fourth, whatever, the next piece of housekeeping is uh, when you listen to this, the World Cup will probably be over. And so uh, on Tuesday, July something, after the World Cup, like in the 10s, July 10s, I will announce the winner of the international showdown. What country will win? I don't know. But find out then when I purchase a flag and put it on my dog and cook up some food from that country, hopefully. All right, thanks. And uh, all right, let's get moving. All right, so we're going to talk about Oathbreaker tonight, Game of Thrones Season 4, Episode 4. And I'm going to run through the episode real quick, but then this is going to be an interesting one tonight. Uh, This is almost going to be like, you could almost, I don't want to tell you how to do things, but this could be a two-part, it's not going to be a two-part episode, but this is going to be loaded on the front end with uh, the boring, factual analysis of stuff that I'm like, huh, let me look that up and see why, what's up with that, that kind of stuff. And then the back end's going to be boring with stuff that I'm like, where instead of being research-based, it's going to be imagination-based. So we're getting a kind of two-for-action. So if you want to listen to this twice, uh, I don't know where to tell you because I'm I'm just starting out where maybe shoot halfway through. But yeah, oh, actually, I'll do it in the, let's do the little, this is like the table of contents, I guess. So we're going to start out, we're going to talk about miles and the metric system and what's up with the U.S. and the U.K. Or maybe it's just uh, England itself. I don't know. What, what's up with us and wh- why don't we use the metric system? What is the metric system for people like myself that didn't, you know, first episode? I didn't know what al- an alloy was. I'm not exactly positive I could pass a quiz on the metric system. So we're going to cover some basics of the metric system, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk a little bit about chamber pots. We're going to cover books that little finger might read. Because, uh, you know, he's up to no good. We're going to talk about, we're going to touch on Christopher Guest a little bit, the uh, great actor. And then we're going to get into the uh, weirdest side of stuff. We're going to talk about Sir Pounce and Tommen. And then we're going to talk about Gin Alley and close it out. All right. So thanks for listening. I hope I help you fall asleep. This is uh, Oathbreaker. All right, guys, uh, so I'm going to run through the episode real quick, stuff that stuck out to me, stuff I didn't get a chance to research. starts out with a beautiful hand-holding or potential hand-holding situation between our friend Grey Worm and the beautiful interpreter woman, whose unfortunately name I don't know. I could claim that I've fallen in love with her, but I guess I can't really claim that if I don't even know her name. Oh, good core gravy. So I apologize for that, but... Uh, I didn't have time to research hand-holding and what cultures it spans as romance. So there you go, uh, graduate students, doctoral students, general research enthusiasts unrelated to education. What's up with hand-holding? 
what cultures have hand-holding? Is it something in our genes, and our DNA? Or is it just something cultural? I'd like to know. And yeah, I should have known. I should have can't, can't brought it, but I did not. Next thing comes up is like this invasion of marine, or internal invasion, I guess what you might call it. And the mile markers come up and then brought up a, huh, they're using the mile, miles in, uh, out there on the, uh, wherever they're at, not on Westeros. Do they use a metric system on Westeros? I don't know. So I, look, I, I did some research into miles and metrics and stuff, which we already talked about. Got a nice little scene with uh, Bronn guilt-tripping Jamie in some sense. Again, that was another thing. I was going to look into guilt-tripping, but then I'm like, well, you don't really, I mean, guilt-tripping, I don't know about hand-holding. Guilt-tripping is definitely in our DNA as human beings, and mostly in mother's DNAs, and then in a eternal, internal, uh, you know, I have a guilt-tripper built into my, whatever you want to call it, psyche or subconscious, conscious ego id, whatever, superego, something. I got multiple things going on in my brain at all times. One of them is a guilt tripper. What's wrong with you, man? I mean, you hear, you guys hear it all the time. What the hell? Why couldn't you have researched about guilt tripping and hand holding? What? Why are you so awful? Yeah. Well, that's more my critic. Guilt trippers. Guilt trippers in there too. Oh, that was a little guilt trippy. But that was another thing. Oh, and then Jamie tells uh, Tyrion, at least you have a pot to piss in or something. That made me think about chamber pots. Oh, and then Sansa is on the boat with a little finger. And our fine, the fine actor, Aiden Gillen, I believe is his name. But he was great in The Wire. And then he's uh, good old Peter Baelish in this one. And uh, he's creeping us out, as usual. And he's kind of talking to Sansa about his new friends. And he says some stuff that I'm like, huh, what's on his reading list? What What is Peter Baelish reading when he's... You know, when we're not seeing him, when he's not in the whorehouse or, you know, working on his empire. Yeah, so we'll look into Peter Baelish's reading list. We will, another thing about Chamber Pot came up with, uh, sneak into his chamber. Oh, I guess that's not, oh no, I think uh, Jon Snow gets told to empty it, find a Chamber Pot and empty it. Yeah, Roose Bolton's buddy Locke shows up at uh, Castle Black. And for some reason... He reminds me of Christopher Guest. Maybe even, maybe it's just Christopher Guest in Princess Bride. Another great, mo- a great movie, great film. You younger listeners, I'm sure. I hope you've seen Princess Bride. Right, Princess Bride. The Princess Bride. Does that make sense? Am I saying it wrong? I don't know, but uh, uh, the the lock. I have to look up the actor's name. I apologize, sir. Uh, that plays Locke because he's creepy as anything, but made me want to talk a little bit about Christopher Guest, just a little bit. Then we have Tommen in his bedroom, his big scary bedroom that I think it might be the same bedroom Joffrey once slept in. And then Marjorie s- sneaks in there. And we get a little dose of Sir Pounce. What could be, I, I mean, I hate using the word cute, but that was pretty cute. I mean, Tommen is uh, cute. Marjorie. She's she's more sexy than cute, I'd say, or beautiful. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if she's sexy. She's pretty. Lovely? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in love with Marjorie because she's too 
pleasant. But uh, Tom and Tom and Sir Pounce are a cute team. And Marjorie, I like her. I'm just she doesn't. Uh, my my heart doesn't burn with desire for her. And then we have Brienne and Jamie and Jamie trying to. I mean, I maybe has some valor through Brienne. I'm not sure. And then we get Podrick as a squire. And Brienne and Podrick, and, and that's wonderful, wonderful stuff. And we get the episode named after the sword. Only the best swords have names. Oathkeeper. I mean, that almost sounds like a, um, well, I guess Oathbreaker would be a good uh, Led Zeppelin song. You know, they have Heartbreaker, Oathkeeper, Oathkeeper, or uh, Oathbreaker. Uh, Oathbreaker would be a more tragic song. Oathkeeper, more heroic. And that's what we're going to find out with this Oathkeeper someday. What ha- what happens with Oathkeeper? Is the Oath kept? Or what? Um, well, it's not, let's keep living the present. And then, to finish off the episode, or at least tonight's discussion of the episode, we have all this stuff going down at Craster's Keep, and it harkens back to another time in uh, a little place called Gin Alley. So we're going to talk about that. So let's get at it. Let's get to it, huh? What do you say? You asleep? You awake? Well, let's keep going. So we, uh, one, one of the things that stuck out of the episode was uh, unfortunate people that were put up on the mile markers, and that was terrible. But it also stuck out to me. Of course, my, my attention isn't based in empathy or sympathy. It's based in, uh, oh, they're using miles, 163 miles to marine. Huh, you know, they're using miles. Uh, that's interesting. So I did some research. Now, first of all, Romans used miles, but a lot of other, uh, but they had the Roman mile. And this is what I'm guessing they have, because it's a, a, th- a Roman mile was a thousand paces. And so they could you know, coordinate stuff. So that would make sense in that situation. That it's a kind of Roman mile with this army. And uh, I guess a Roman mile is like five, 5,000 feet, 1,000 paces. But yeah, then they had to work on that because it's like, oh, if you're a better shaped army, you're going to 1,000 paces. Are gonna be. So interesting that they use a mile. Now we're going to get into some research I did. But let me just put it out there to our dear Khaleesi. Khaleesi, if you're listening... I know I'm not supposed to address you that way. I know I'm supposed to use the whole uh, Mother of Dragons and Queen of the Andals and the First Men or whatever. I don't know your official title. You might might have heard. You might not have heard, Khaleesi, that I've been praying to the crone. So Mother Crone, oh, just crone, if you're hearing me. if you When you're done breaking all these chains, Khaleesi, how about you break up this uh, mile usage and break in the metric system? Because I got some good research here. If we were going to sit down to a meeting, now I know Khaleesi, you're going to be you're going through a lot. You, you got a lot on your plate, but l- let me pitch you on uh, on some of the actual uh, stuff I have here that I've worked on. Okay, let me just dig into it. Okay, so let me talk to you about this metric system, Khaleesi, because you, uh, or in general, because I was like, man, what is okay. What is a metric system and why Why is it better? According to uh, metric4us.com, that's metric, the number four, us.com. Let's face it, the metric system's better. Why? 
They got three points over here. One, one unit of measurement for each physical quantity, which they go in depth because I wouldn't have understood that. Scalability by prefixes. We'll get into it. And then usage of the decimal system. So point one, one unit of measurement for each physical quantity. To compare systems here, they're going to talk about the English imperial units, which is what we use in the U.S., and then the uh, metric, they call it SI, I think. I don't know what that means. Uh, so the metric system, they use, uh, here's the physical quantities, length, area, volume, mass, force, pressure, energy, power, and temperature. That's it. English imperial system, so that's it for length. It's just meter, right? And, and the uh, English imperial system length can be measured in inch, foot, yard, mile, fathom, rod, furlong, league, mill, pole, perch, hand, link, and chain. Now area, square inch, square foot, square yard, square acre, square mile, township, square fathom, square rod, square furlong, blah, blah, blah. Volume. I think, I don't know what, what the metric, a liter or something, but uh, yeah, milliliter, yeah, liter. Gallon. Liter, oh no, gallon, liquid quart, dry quart, liquid pint, dry pint, fluid ounce, teaspoon, tablespoon, minimum, fluid dram, gill pack, bushel, cubic unit, a lot of them. Mass, pound, apoth. Wasn't that the name of somebody in um, First Matrix? It was the apoth. Pound, ounce, apoth, ounce, dram, apoth, dram. And it goes on and on. Force, pound, or ton, pressure, pressure per inch, foot, and on and on. Energy. Holy mackerel, what are we doing to ourselves? Calorie, inch pound, foot pound, yard pound, mile pound, and on. Power, horsepower, inch per second, foot per second, foot pound per second, yard pound per second. Then temperature, we just have uh, Fahrenheit. And then the metric system, this is the comparison. Length is a meter, area is a square meter, volume is a cubic meter, mass, gram, force, newton, pressure, pascal, energy, joule, power, watt, temperature, kelvin, degrees Celsius. Okay, and then you just use the prefixes, micro, milli, centi, deci, deca, hecto, kilo, mega. So it does seem it, okay, point one. Metric systems on top. Khaleesi, what do you think? Oh, Khaleesi's asleep. Okay. Jo- Sir Jorah, why don't you listen? Scalability by prefixes. You might be wondering what that means. Well, we just went over the prefixes. And then you just move the decimal point, I think. Here's the benefits. Um, human beings can only handle small whole numbers, 0 to 999. A lot better than anything over 999. And decimals over fractions. That's why you want units that are close in size to the thing you're measuring. So the result is likely to be a small whole number. Uh, This English does this. The English system does this by changing around distinctly named arbitrarily signed units. This causes two problems. First, there's way too many friggin' units. You have to remember all the unit names. You have to remember the plethora of conversion factors. And worst of all, you have to multiply and divide. Oh, boy. That's something I'm not good at. And then, you know, you got to convert and all that. 
Now, when you got the metric system, you just got to use a prefix. Oh, you want to know what a, a millionth of a meter is? It's a micrometer. A thousandth is a milli. A hundredth is a centi. You know, that's it. And then how do you convert? You just move the shift the decimal point. No math required. So isn't that nicer? And this will all be in the show notes at uh, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash drones. And then you also have the decimal system, which we kind of covered. But which would you rather use is what they say here is the decimals, which you just move the little point, or fractions. And Lord, I mean, I don't even know. When you get to, I mean, that's why I, I try baking, but it's like when you get third and a quarter, it's just confusing stuff. Why do we do it to ourselves? Because we're crazy. Now, I got to tell you, unfortunately, I know we have international listeners. I know we have U.S. listeners. And I try to have, this is a big tent. I want you all welcome if you can't sleep. But at the same time, I don't know if it's a worldwide phenomenon, but I know here in the U.S., People can be a bit knee-jerky. And another, I mean, so I can just imagine the fuss over this whole metric system. If it came up, it would be un-American. And on top of it, bad news is that in uh, 1670, the first use of the metric system was by a French vicar. And then it got, uh, the Republic of France adopted the first basic metric system in 1795. So that that's not going to, I mean, Fox News is going to have a field day with that. So that's that's a sign. Unfortunately, that's sad, but oh, that's going to be trouble as far as uh, PR. But we could still get it through, and then it, might, then it might be this whole devolving, like the stuff that happened with uh, health care, that some states aren't going to, well, we're not going to use the metric system. We're going to. I don't know. Why, why do we always have to fight just easier? It doesn't have to be political. I'm not an American because I'm not good at math. I'm American because I'm not good at math. It makes me more American. So help me out. Okay, a couple more things. Uh, we have a perfectly good system. No, we don't. And this, they go on to say this is still this metric for U.S. So like, you know how if it's if you're trying to figure out what you're paying for. It's easier to use a metric system if you're not good at math. Um, this is an English system, so it's not American, so don't get all USA on us. Uh, don't let the rest of the world impose the metric system on us. No, other countries just makes us easier to sell them stuff, so why not have the metric system? We don't want to do what all the other countries do. They really do a good job on this website for, I don't know who's paying for it, it's a pretty basic website so yeah maybe i should have. it's probably like the uh secret uh conspiracy theory somebody's gonna be like oh the illuminati's behind this or the bilderbergers and that's why they want the metric system so if you if you like the metric system i have even more in the show notes about it all right so that's it with the metric system khaleesi if you're listening crone Please influence the Khaleesi to use the metric system. And when she conquers the Andals and the Sons of the First Men and uh, all that, let her have the metric system, okay? Please. So Chamber Pots came up a couple times. According to Wikipedia, a couple other names is a Mum Pot, a Jordan, a Jerry, 
a gazunder. Gazunder. A poe. Gazunder. I can't. That's awesome. A potty. A thunder pot. Honey pot. Gazunder. Is that real? That's got to be a fake uh, Wikipedia thing. So chamber pots were in use in Greece since the uh, 6th century B.C. And they had different names uh, in Greek. Indoor toilets started to displace chamber pots in the 19th century, but they were common still to the mid-20th century. Mid-20th century. Really? Uh, some places still use chamber pots. Uh, which, yeah, we can't, I'm not thumbing my nose at chamber pots. But, yeah, that's kind of it about chamber pots, I don't think. It's not anything too many. Most interesting is they're called gazunders. So I have a couple of quotes from Peter Baelish. Let's see. Like Baelish has a really good scene in this episode. Is keep your foes confused. And then he has this. He goes, uh, so many men. What does he say? So many men risk so little, or something. He says to Sansa. And then she's like, "What do you want? What?" He says, should I ask him what he wants? He says, everything. And that was chilling to me. And then he says something like, I don't want friends like me. It made me think, like, what's this guy reading in his spare time? And I know there's, like, uh, Machiavelli has the book The Prince. You got Sun Tzu's Art of War. Uh, you have uh, the five. Oh, I got to look it up. You have, like, The Book of the Five Rings by Miyamoto Moshai, I think. I actually have that... Uh, in comic book form. Still don't understand it. That's another strategy book. And then we have Robert Greene, who's the modern-day uh, author of these type of books. And he, he wrote uh, 48, Laws of po 48 Laws of Power and the 33 Strategies of War, which kind of uh, was big, popular, uh, popular... Um, I know it's banned in some prisons and jails. Uh, I know that firsthand, so that's not a circumstantial evidence. Uh, I know it's it had a big pop cultural following and a hip hop kind of following, and then it, it uh, also had like a some of those books had criticism. I've I've paged through them. Yeah, it, I don't. So I don't know. I've looked at the Art of War. I've looked at some of the stuff. I'm just not. I don't have that. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm not into. I'm not Peter Baelish, but Peter Baelish must either. Peter Baelish must either be a like what is that? Strategist. Man, I have. Yeah, I have some issues. Pronunciation issues, but he's got a strategy. I'm a bit like Porky Pig. I'm the modern day Porky Pig. It's the Porky Pig boring podcast, but so. Peter Baelish must be in either he reads this kind of stuff um, or he's like ahead of the curve. And then it's like those who can't do teach Peter Baelish. He might, he doesn't need to teach anybody how to be a crafty uh, son of a gun. Cause he's, uh, you know, crafting and, and weaving and balling or whatever. He's the, uh, he's the, he's little finger. I'm not even sure that would have been really useful if I knew why he was called little finger. Probably because he's like one of those people that's got his finger on the scale back when, he, you know, you were buying something from him. But so those could be something that are on Littlefinger's bed nightstand, some of those books. Now, 
if you were a potential mate of his, you might be, I don't know. Or maybe they were on George R. R. Martin's nightstand, or maybe not. Maybe some people's minds work like that, and I'd, I'd be jealous of that. Uh, not that I'm not a manipulator or a deceiver or any of that stuff, but I'm just not good at it, like Peter Baelish is. So, yeah, um, yeah, I guess that would be, if you want to be a modern-day Peter Baelish, my advice would be don't do it near me, please, okay? Don't get me involved in it uh, because I can be a mark, can be a bit naive. Probably shouldn't be putting this out there on the podcast, but if you've listened before, you know you know that already. Uh, yeah, please don't, please don't manipulate me in your strategies of power or war or princely. I don't want to be involved in defenestration. I know I talked about regicide last week and to run. That, that's all I want to be involved in. And I, I guess I don't want to be, you know, if someone's going to go, you know, deal with the Duke and, Duke and Duchess of uh, Lilliput, don't put it on me that I said to run. So, yeah, just keep me out of the strategies of war. Uh, people like Peter Baelish, I mean, he, is that what a, when they say alpha male versus beta male? Is he a beta male? I don't know a lot about that. Um, but I would get nervous around him. I would probably, I could probably, I mean, he seems like someone that would probably have a poison dagger. Otherwise, I think I could take him. But you don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he, I've never seen him with a shirt off, so he could be pretty, he could be a tough customer. I'm not that tough. But, like, I get tough when I get around people that I know are super crafty because you got to, I don't know, we shouldn't be going down this road, should we? Peter Baelish. Uh, Mr. Aiden, beautiful job acting as Peter Baelish. That's all I have to say, sir. Okay, I just want to talk real quick about Locke, this character that's a buddy-buddy with Bruce Bolton. Creepy dude. He's played by Noah Taylor, who are buddies in uh, New Zealand. I think he was born in New Zealand and they moved to Australia. So maybe not, I mean, New Zealand. He probably is like a fine fine supporting person like the all of you fans and and like australia uh, he's a he moved to australia and then he he uh he did good did good for himself so he's got a, a little bit of both of those wonderful places that i've yet to visit um i did spend the fourth of july with someone from new zealand i think they're from christchurch is that how you say it christchurch or something i don't know he said it fast not Christchurch as i would say it christchurch or something so shout out to New Zealand, shout out to Noah Taylor, shout out to his character Locke, fine job. But it reminded me of Christopher Guest as the uh, six-fingered man in The Princess Bride. And uh, another fine movie that you should check out if you haven't seen it, and I already said that. But uh, Christopher Guest, young people, old people, people that don't know who Christopher Guest is, this is my pitch to take some time and rent a Christopher Guest movie. Whether it's one he made, like Waiting for Guthman, Best in Show, Mighty Wind. It looks like he's involved in an HBO series I'm going to check out. I have to check out called Family Tree, which I don't know anything about. I think I heard uh, the guy whose name, of course, I'm going to mess this up. The guy who was on the It Crowd, I think. He was in uh, Bridesmaids, and I think he's Irish. And I think, he, I think I heard him on Fresh Air just the tail end. This is exactly why this podcast is boring, because I'm talking 
but no actual facts or useful information is coming out of my mouth. I'm just saying an Irish guy who some of you might know who he is, but I'm still not saying his name, which is insulting to him. And I'm sorry, sir, because you don't, you deserve some respect, but I'm, and I would give it to you, but I'm just, whatever. But I'm, this is more about, and now I'm supposed to be talking about Christopher Guest and I'm, now I'm losing it, but, uh, Check out, or Spinal Tap, you know, if you haven't seen Spinal Tap, go ahead and watch it. If you're, if you're, if you're a younger, you know, millennia, millennium, like you're 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, listen to this podcast, check one of those movies and, you know, be honest with me and let me know if, what you thought of it. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I would start with Spinal Tap. I don't know. Rob Reiner was in Spinal Tap. Did Rob Reiner or Christopher Guest make Spinal Tap? Let me check that first. I'll be right back. It was written by, uh, it was directed by Rob Reiner, written by Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer. So, yeah, that's it. I just want to take a few minutes out of my time and say, watch Princess Bride, watch Spinal Tap. Mandy Patinkin's in Princess Bride, Carrie Hughes, Eves Hughes. Robin Wright, who was Robin Wright Penn, and I think she became Robin Wright again. I think she, you know, let's not go off on any tangents. I was going to say, I think she remarried a fine young actor, but I probably wouldn't remember his name. So probably shouldn't go down that path that I just mistakenly went down. But Billy Crystal, uh, Carol Kane, I think, and Billy Crystal, Fred Savage, Andre the Giant, Peter Falk, Columbo. And I'm just seeing, I'm looking here. Uh, it turns out uh, Mark Knopfler did the music. I don't know if that's true because it's from Wikipedia, but uh, Mark Knopfler, Dire Straits, anybody? Uh, Money for Nothing. Okay. So, yeah, go ahead and check out Christopher Guest if you haven't. Do yourself a favor. Christopher Guest, not boring. He could probably, yeah, he's not boring, so... He's awesome. I mean, he's one of my heroes. That's what I'm saying. I guess maybe he doesn't want to know that because that would be embarrassing. And uh, but but yeah, he doesn't need. I mean, he doesn't need to know because he he's he's living a full life. I'm sure without my doesn't need my approval. But Mother Crone, great crone in the sky. I uh, I ask you if Christopher Guest is on Westeros. Keep him keep him well. Thank you. And uh, see, check with him about the metric system. Wow. So, folks, this episode was really special to me for two reasons. I mean, for we talked about some stuff already, but there was like two things that I couldn't stop thinking about about this episode. And one was this Marjorie sneaking into Tom and Jerome. And then all of a sudden you get Sir Pounce jumping up on the bed. And I just thought, Again, just another small thing like that of why I love Game of Thrones. It was funny that his name's Sir Pounce or her name. I guess it's his name because it, yeah, it wouldn't be Sir Pounce if it was. Yeah, it wouldn't be Sir Pounce. And then Marjorie, she's like, a, if she would be better at pouncing, she would be queen, been queen a few times, I think, because uh, she pounces into that bed, but she's not doing the actual. Um, well, whatever. We don't. I don't need to be cracking wise about Marjorie and pouncing. Um, but you know, I I had to go, had to climb in the old Game of Thrones fantasy time machine and and see what was uh, 
and look, you know, follow Tom around because let's see, like, what was Tom in it? And then Tom was talking about how Joth used to say he was going to feed, uh, you know, feed Sir Pounce to Tom and, and, and his, like, stew so he wouldn't know it. What a mean, mean brother. But, uh, so I got this, I'm going to get in the time machine and I'm going to, I got some info. I was following Tom and around. And, uh, okay, so hold on. Okay, we're climbing in. Bruce Bolton, I rule you. Bruce Bolton, rule you. Bruce Bolton, yes, I rule you. Bruce Bolton. Okay. So there we are. We're on the battlements. Okay? And uh, just pay attention. Well, this is Tom in here. And uh, we're about to have another episode of Sir Pouncey's Out. And this is the story of Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce in the quest for the Eye of Marine. You can see Sir Pounce is climbing. And it looks like an ordinary garden, but he's really exploring. He's looking for the Eye of the Marine. You can see he's climbing deep to the temple. Sir Pounce has been through many battles. Many dangerous things. He's the bravest of cats, Sir Pounce. Nothing will stop him in his quest for adventure. And now that he has heard of the Hive Marine, deep under the city of Marine and the catacombs upon which the new city was built, where pyramids, instead of growing up in the sky, grow under the earth deeper and deeper, Sir Pounce has entered alone, brave, brave Sir Pounce, and he knows if he returns to the kingdom with the Eye of Marine, all will be exposed, for the Eye of the Marine shows all. It's a magical staff topped with an eye-like gem that shows everyone's true colors, like a man who would be king that was terrible, that would feed his brother a cat, some horribly mean person like that, or... A mother who makes her son feel strange and gives him goosebumps for no particular reason. What? Why? The Hive Marine will show all that to Sir Pounce. Then he will decide the fate of those who would hurt young Tom. I mean, who would hurt Sir Pounce. Sir Pounce is brave and strong, full of confidence, cool. He's deep in the temple now. He's on the lower levels. So Pounce is dodging booby traps and, and oh, snakes and, and creepy crawlers. But Sir Pounce is not afraid. He pounces on them, dashes away any danger. So Pounce has many beautiful cats waiting for him to return to them, drink milk with him in peace without being chased around by, by having stuff shot at him by Joffrey or other mean people or his mother saying, what kind of boy has a cat, talks to a cat? You can't have a cat as a best friend. What's wrong with you? Why can't you be more like your sister? Just to be... Sir Pounce does that. Sir Pounce is deep in... deep below Marine where none of that exists. Yes, and Sir Pounce is close to finding the eye of Marine and no one can hide. From the Eye of Marine, 
no one. They'll all see that Tommen just needs to be left alone. It's a pounce. Why can't why can't Tommen go to go go on a trip away from here? With all the and, and, and no one asked Tommen if he was afraid of that that green fire stuff and if that bothered his sleep. And now we can't sleep anymore because uh, they were using that fire on the ships, the green stuff. No one asked Tommen about that. No one asked Tommen if he wanted to sleep in the same floor as Joffrey. No one cared, but Sir Pounce cares. And the Eye Marine will show. Sir, Sir, yeah, yeah. Oh, and Sir Pounce has found the Eye Marine. Looks just like a little mouse. Oh, and Sir Pounce is playing with it. Look at him. Oh, Sir Pounce. Oh, but Sir Pounce has the Eye Marine. He's bringing it back. He's bringing it back to his lord. Lord Tommen the Brave. Lord Tommen the Wise. Lord Tommen, who's tired and his grandfather was telling him stuff that was confusing him and that he didn't want to hear and he tried to cover his eyes and he said, I am in the hand of the king and you will listen to me if you will be king. Take your hands off your ears if you will hear about how to further the family line and we will take this young woman and I will teach you. And Tommen did not want to hear about that one bit. Tommen was scared. Because, but Sir Pounce is here, he's back. He's presenting as a lord with the, well, it looks like a mouse that is no longer living, but is really hidden inside. The, it was a spell by a awful person that made it look like a mouse, but it's really the eye of Marine, and there's nowhere to hide. Tommen doesn't need to hide anymore, because he has the eye of Marine. And you might say, why are you carrying around a rat? And I'd say it's a mouse. And you don't know anything, but I wouldn't say I would only think that because Tom and, 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 and you know, why 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 can't I just what is wrong with looking at clouds all day long with your cat pounce, huh? No, okay, and don't explain to me that Sir Pounce can't be Sir Pounce, and that he's a and that cats can't be in castles because that is just not. Correct. And Sir Pounce knows, and that's why he's back in he's back and deep in the temple of Marine again below below the surface of Marine, where he's going to find even more eyes of of knowing. Knowing that what happens to people that threaten Sir Pounce is not good. The eye of Sir Pounce's paws of vengeance will slash you up. And don't ever mess with Sir Pounce, Joff, because you did. And then it was, and I, I yeah, I, I don't know. And that part with the little men dancing and hitting, I, I laughed, but I was wrong to laugh because I didn't know any better. And you set me up to look like a, uh, uh, um, Sir Pounce talked to me about that. And he said, it's not funny. Those men didn't choose to be like that. And by forcing them to act like clowns, you you degrade them and let them choose what fate they may choose. And now Tommen knows that because he has the eye of Marine. And when Tommen is king, the eye of Marine will shine on all. It will be the eye of the fair King Tommen. He will say, don't give Tommen goosebumps. 
to the dungeons with you. Tommen's uncle, so nice to him. Take him out of the dungeon and and let me just sit with my uncle. That's nice to me. You know, and, and let Sir Ponce told me to apologize, so I will to my uncle Tyrion. I was wrong. With a crone, Sir Ponce said to apologize to you because I called you a wrinkly-faced, scary lady. And Sir Ponce, always oh, Sir Ponce brought me back another little mouse. I don't know what eye is in it, but cer certainly, certainly, Sir Ponce and Tommen will soon rule the Seven Kingdoms. And there won't be any meanness. That's the first thing Sir Pounce wants to get rid of. It's meanness. And meanness to cats. And that kind of stuff. So, oh, and Sir Pounce is now lying in the sun. And he, he wanted, I would like to pet Sir Pounce's belly, but then he claws me. I don't understand if I, Sir Pounce... Can I rub your belly? No. Okay. So Bounce does not like his belly rubbed, and he scratches very hard. Oh, so, and here comes Mother. My goosebumps are prickling, and she's going to ask me. I've been dreading this all day. She's going to ask me, what did Grandfather say to you about the family line? And she won't let her rest. Sir Bounce, please help me. Sir Bounce. Sir Bounce. Sir Bounce is asleep now. And I must go for Mother's here. Good day. Okay, so that was Tom. Okay, so that uh, was me listening and to Tom and and we 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 actually don't need to get back to the present day because we're gonna take the uh, Game of Thrones fantasy traveling machine powered by Roose Bolton's awfulness and the pity I feel for Roose when he atones for his misdeeds and Sir Walter Frey and Roose's half kid or whatever. I really don't like you, but I'm afraid of you. Bruce, yeah, I kind of still have a patriarch thing for you if you were my dad, but your kid, oh boy. Um, okay, hold on. Bruce Bolton, we rule you. Bruce Bolton, we rule you. Bruce Bolton, let's rule you. Bruce Bolton. Oh, and the machine just pulled up to Craster's Keep, but we won't be here long. Now, over at Craster's Keep, there's been a lot of trouble mostly with this guy, Carl Tanner, who is played Cape Beyond Capably by Bern Gorman. B-U-R-N is the guy's name, Bern Gorman. Uh, again, and I probably say again too much, and I probably compliment Game of Thrones too much, and I'm not trying to be a fanboy, but just for such a small role to have a guy that just, I, can, I mean, I cannot keep my eyes off the acting and the, the the way he portrays that character, especially in this uh, scene where he, he's he's very angry and he's insane, he's a little bit drunk, and he's he's obviously mad with not just power but mad with madness. But would you believe? Would, would you believe that we're not done? We're we're sitting here, Craster's Keeper, watching watching this Carl Tanner character go crazy and say. He's yelling at the other guy, hey, what? You want to fight? And, you know, I was, uh, you know, assassinating down in Janelle. I was a fucking legend, a fucking legend. He just says all this crazy stuff. Any night, they paid me, you know how much they paid me? Seven silvers. But it ends up, 
that I did some research and that there's a musical this is based on in the like this is when you get deep into the Game of Thrones imagination machine where it goes off in directions. When I'm even sure when we're in this thing, it's guided by the power of Bruce Bolton's horribleness. I can't tell you where it's going to go because you're talking about a man that flays, got a flayed man on his flag. And so we ended up here. It ends up this Carl Tanner. Uh, there was a musical called Gin Alley Legend or the Le- Legend of Jim Alley. No, Gin Alley Legends. I think. Let me look here. Yeah, it's called, it was called Gin Alley Legend. And uh, it was about Carl Tanner, young, young Carl Tanner, before he joined the uh, Night's Watch. And it's not exactly a uh, frozen situation if you're looking to, for a family musical. Not, not probably the most uplifting musical. If you're looking for a little bit of tragedy, a little bit of heartbreak, a story that goes in different directions where you don't expect them to go. But that's got plenty of musical numbers. This is Genalia Legend. It's probably the musical for you. I actually, I have like a torn up playbill that I, I have in my hands a torn up playbill. I guess I had playbills. Again, we're in some sort of meta universe or a parallel universe. So I can't tell you what's real and what's not. But I can tell you that there's like, a, okay, so it starts out. And I actually, I viewed the show, but that was during a concussion. So the, the show opens, the musical opens, and it's a Broadway-style musical. It opens with this number with the, I think it's called the chorus, I'm not sure, where everybody sings. It's like, you know, one of those. It's, uh, it takes place in Flea Bottom and Gin Alley, Act 1, I think. And uh, they have all the people, like the shopkeep, the normal folks, Gin Alley, um, Flea Bottom, people, shopkeeps, regular, you know, the, the the chorus, I think that's what they're called. When I was nine is the first number, and it's like singing about their dreams when they were nine, and like the lady that her job's just to sweep through Flea Bottom, you know, she talks about dreaming of being the queen. And then the guy that's the baker at Flea Bottom, which he's not even using Easton flour, he's using like sawdust and and nature, you know, yeast that's in the air and whatever he can scrape together for flea bottom bread. You know, he's talking about being, you know, traveling the world as like a pastry chef. And then you got this, all sorts of different people. You know, the shoe man, he wanted to be in the king's guard. And somebody else wanted to be a dragon rider, rider some some such nonsense. And someone wanted to go to Bravo. This whole thing. It's just a nice number when I was nine. Sets up some of the themes of the show Logging and Wishing. And then that transitions into a number with a nine-year-old boy. So they have like a, and it's Carl Tanner, spoiler alert, singing a song called I Lost It All. First like heart-wrenching number. And he's saying, you know, one of those ones like, like where he starts out soft singing. And where are they? And where am I? I've lost my way. Another time when Carl Tanner knows where Carl Tanner goes. And Carl Tanner is... It's kind of like that. Um, 
I lost it all just today happens to be my ninth birthday and all is gone and all is good no more it's kind of like that that type of number and it builds but he's kind of talking in a a roundabout way so you're like what did he lose is this like a batman situation did he have a family and they were taken from him he's kind of limping he's dirty there's some blood on his coat and uh he gets you know gets to the high point i've lost and he collapses in the street and then all the chorus from the numbers they rush to him because he's a little boy he's not from flea bottom uh important important plot point that uh won't come back might not come back in this podcast but yeah he collapses they nurse him back to health and he's kind of feverish i don't have all the numbers in here but there's another number called gin alley jitters because uh he ends up i think he's adopted by the guy that runs like the gin alley um what do you call like an underground distillery i forget not a speakeasy but a still i guess it's a still and he talk he happens he's like talks about the gin alley jitters uh, gin alley jitters about fun. like when Carl's like what are, where am I what am I he's like, he said, and Carl's not well he's he's like it seems like he got the gin alley jitters of gin alley jitters down gin alley jitters a bit on my bitters and go down shut up with the gin alley jitters bitters bitters you got him. I don't know. I, I, that might be, this is my recollection. Again, I said this was during a concussion that I was watching this. And I was also in this Game of Thrones time machine powered by, powered by flayed men. So, but yeah, something like that. It might not be the right um, musical thing, but I, it was like, and then the chorus gets into it because people start coming into the speakeasy. And then Carl Tanner's job the guy's like, you know, you're going to run the speakeasy with me. And they're serving, like, bathtub gin, level gin, below that. So people are like, things are crazy in this place. And uh, then this woman takes a, a shine to him who's uh, who's kind of in love with the guy, his father figure. But she wants him to quit the, the gin because the guy drinks the gin, he makes the gin. It's a doomed situation. I mean, sooner or later, the King's Landing police are going to show up. They're going to bust him or somebody's going to go blind and they're going to get him. So she tries to take this boy and she says, what are you doing? And he's like looking up to this guy. And obviously something bad happened to Carl Tanner before, um, which we still we're not sure about because the song, I uh, lost it all. We don't know exactly what he's talking about. And then we'll get a lost it all reprise a couple times. We get it. Don't worry. We'll get a when I was nine reprise. We'll get a Janelle Jitters reprise at some point. But she sings this nice song. She takes him out to uh, a tour of Flea Bottom. She shows him how not nice Flea Bottom is. She sings the song Safer in Molestown, which is an ironic song because it's, it, well, actually, I guess maybe it's not ironic because Flea Bottom is so bad. That it's not safe. That it's actually safer in Molestown. That's it's the only place in the world, 
in that world, that's safer than most, or that's worse off than Molestown is uh, Gin, Gin Alley. Like, Gin Alley's the worst part of Flea Bottom, which is the worst neighborhood in King's Landing. So that's that song. It's safer in Molestown, safer in Molestown. You see that man will stone down. Safer in Molestown. Don't go round, round. The people at Flea Bottom don't stop until you go. Oh, you know, something like that. I don't know. Safer in Molestown. Maybe that's not the right. But something like, so it's a song, Safer in Molestown. And then there's a couple other numbers for the second or the first act. I don't, I'm not sure if these musicals, isn't it usually like the first act and then part of the second act and then there's an intermission. And there's, so there's a couple numbers that are, I can't read here because we're in this strange, yeah, they're like fuzzy. But then stuff starts to build up. We get another, so then Carl Tanner, like, uh, I think in the act break, he becomes, he's the manager of the gin alley, gin, gin place now. And then something, of course, his, his, uh, his uh, father figure, I forget his even name. I think it's like Crazy Jack or I don't know. He's been, something's happened. I mean, he's still alive, but he's in like bad condition or he's locked up. And uh, people are coming and they want money from Carl and uh, like something. His father figure and his mother figure are both under threat. And then Carl has also fallen for this woman who is not in Molestown. I mean, not in Gin Alley or Flea Bottom. He's fallen for this highborn woman. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what, uh, I don't know who was in power at the time. Probably might have been Robert Baratheon. It might have been, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not, I don't have my history books with me. But so Carl's in love with someone, but he's worried about his family. So he's trying to push this woman out of his life that he's in love with. And then these like gangsters or thugs are coming to the gin place. And they're putting the putting the um, pressure on Carl. He needs money. The thing is that Carl has discovered that he likes to fight. And he's done, he's good at it. And this is when the gangster guy like uh, the head of the, the the dark underworld, underbelly, the seedy underbelly of King's Landing, St. Comes, he has this number. And he's like the scene stealer or the show stealer that we've talked about at other times. And uh, he has a song, Seven Sil- Silvers Will Getcha, C-H-A, Seven Silvers Will Getcha. And that's how much he offers Carl to become his assassin. And that's like, Carl owes like 70, 80, 90 silvers to get everybody out of trouble that he, he cares about, presumably. And then he's like, if I could get that, I could get some scratch together. I can get this broad I'm in love with. She's highborn. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't a star cluster. Maybe there's some hope here. So, yeah, that would be like the second act, the, towards the middle of the second act, I guess. And this guy, this gangster guy, he's great. I mean... I don't know, seven silvers will get you. Seven silvers will get you what you want. Let me tell you, Cartana, I put it in a panna, and the heart won't ever stop because seven silvers will get you. They'll get you what you need. Again, I'm not a musical. This is just my, like, fever, like a fever dream. 
situation. So don't, you don't need to comment on my singing. Uh, you're, I mean, I'm out of my comfort zone by far. But yes, yeah, seven syllables that get you called Santa. Seven syllables that get you what you need. Seven syllables that get you what you want. Seven syllables that get you what you Wow, but if you don't get seven silvers, someone's gonna bleed. So, Carl Tanner, let me show you. You know, it ends up, it becomes like this, like, even though it's like a threatening situation, the whole chorus, I guess that's probably the end of this, the before the intermission, because there's all dancing, and it's like a happy number, even though it's not. And, uh, and then I think they reprise, uh, I don't know. And then Carl's sad. Everybody else is on a, up, a swing up, but Carl's on a swing down at the end act, middle act two, or whatever, the intermission. And then we have Carl. I think the highborn woman was like, she had had someone assassinated by some of these assassins. So she was like against assassinations, which a lot of people are. And so then she was telling Carl that, she, you know, they could, that their love, you know, if she caught wind of him becoming an assassin, one of these, you know, these happen a lot of musical, these type of confusing relationships where there's this one big rule. And if you break it, then true love will be denied. Then they have this song because uh, Carl's already agreed to take the, spoiler alert, take the seven silver, the first job. And it's a night that he's supposed to take out. And it's like uh, this dual number where they're both singing together and then separately any night, any time. But Carl's singing K-N-I-G-H-T, and the woman is N-I-G-H-T, any night, any time, any night, any time. You know, one of those songs. And then they're singing it to each other, um, but he's like singing it because he's so forlorn because he's going to do something that he knows risks his love for her. Risks like he was just on the line, like, could I be good or bad? And now he knows he has to go bad. But it's for her and for these f- fake parental figures he's developed. And uh, she's thinking that he's giving it up. That's what the song's about. Like, any night, any time for you. And that's how it's like, for, for you, any night, any time for you, or something, something like that. It's beautiful, beautiful, touching. And I'm not sure if it was clear, like, the the layeredness of that or if it, was, it just seemed like a love number at the time, at that time, any time. Then there's a couple more numbers. And then again, hearkening back to the situation at Craster's Keep, there's another, like, dual layer number. Um, like, maybe you're the man, maybe I'm the man is the song. I think this is after Carl's done some assassinations and he gets this one job and he's torn. He's like, this is the last job. Something went wrong. The girl found out she's done away with him and he gets a secret job and they're not even going to tell him who it is till the last minute. And like, he's singing to her in a tower and he's singing to himself and she's singing to him. Maybe you're the man. He's like singing to that, and then he's singing to this guy he corners, and uh, that he has to assassinate, and uh, and then it ends up that I can't tell you what it ends up. It goes. I mean, if you want to hear more about it, like there's stuff at the beginning. I don't want to tell you that happened, 
And then after that, after the, maybe you're the man. I mean, I don't want to tell you what happened in the musical, but it wasn't exactly uplifting. And I mean, fast forward, Carl ends up at the Night's Watch. So probably some sort of bad crime, okay? But nothing to keep you up, okay? It was a musical, fiction, within fiction, within fiction. So it's like uh, we're... The sky is blue because we're living in the eye of a blue-eyed giant situation. Okay? So don't worry about Carl Tanner. Just worry about musical numbers involving Carl Tanner. Because then, yeah, he's like a legend of a genale. I think that might be the closing number. There's got to be, I don't know, this playbill, uh, it's confusing. It's because it's written in some sort of old English or something, too. But there's got to be some sort of twist at the end that maybe the woman becomes queen. Maybe the Khaleesi? No, it can't be the Khaleesi. I don't know. I don't, maybe Pedro, Pedro Pascal's in, involved in some way or the Bravos, the Faceless Men. Who knows? But So Carl Tanner ends up in the Night's Watch. Yada, yada, yada. Somehow. And the legend of the Gin Alley is not a good legend. Okay? So that's a musical. Um, I, I don't know if you stayed awake for it. Shouldn't freak you out. I mean, it's, uh, we'll, well, let's do this. We'll close with another prayer. Okay? So that, uh, uh, that, that'll help you peace you out. Okay? Last week we prayed to the crone. Um, you know, let's hit up the Miller. I think the Miller was one of the other gods. Resting my head and uh, my, my sweet crone, know that as a as female gods go, you will always be my goddess, my main goddess. This prayer is for the Miller, who I believe is one of the seven. I hope. Oh, Miller, or maybe it's the Smith. You work so hard up there. I don't understand why you have to have a job if you're a god. But sometimes I feel like you, I imagine you feel working up there, Smith or Miller or both. If there's both of you, she could pine. And then we could use the powers of smithing and cooking and and work with the crone and we could usurp these other gods that think they're so hot. And, um, you know, I asked the crone for uh, so these new boots I saw. And I didn't get them, so I don't know if you, you guys are busy up there. You know, if you if there's a tailor, like a assistant god, a tailor, if you could put him on some boots for me, it'd be cool. And this hound guy that I'm stuck with, he calls himself the Hound. And I know he's not the Hound from Game of Thrones. It's just this bully. And no one will talk to me because I'm in with him, but he just doesn't... So I don't know if you, if you could give me, if you could like, if Smith, if you're one of the gods, drop an anvil on him, please, while he's sleeping. And then but give me a heads up before you drop it so I can run. Um, Yeah, I mean, you got, if you're working hard up there, I don't get that because if the, the other gods, like the maiden and the warrior, I'm sure the warrior thinks he's hot stuff, like, 
Hey, Smith, where's my sword? Well, we're both gods. You know, I don't have all day to, uh, well, just give me my sword. Well, I'm not the squire. I'm the uh, the smith and the miller. Yeah, miller, I want some, uh, you know, bread to take with me, the kind of bread that they had in that, you know, that lasts a long time. Let's go. Well, a warrior, we're, uh, we're gods too. You can't just tell us, oh, yes, I can. I'm the warrior. So give it to me. And by the way, the maiden's mine, so you guys stuck with the crone. You know, that kind of stuff. I know, I understand that you're, and that's why I've been working with the crone. I don't know if she's told you guys about me, but we're working on some stuff. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the other gods are probably listening to these prayers and they can go ahead and smite me. Can't get worse. But, and you guys don't have to say yes to any of this. The crone did not say yes, but she did uh, tilt her head, I believe. And I'm not sure which constellations are yours, guys's, but uh, I've been praying to some of the stars that, so I'm looking up now. And uh, there's some stars up there, so I'm I'm guessing that some of them have to do with you. And so you don't have to say yes to my plan, because I know the warrior's all nosing in, and the maiden would rat you out. And whatever the other gods are, your mother, sister, something, whatever. Yeah, you know, I'm here to help you guys out on earth. And if you could maybe, I mean, I'd like to have an offspring that's half God, but I don't think the crone can have a kid. And obviously I can't have a kid because I'm a, you know, dude. And I don't, you know, so, but if you guys could give me some, like, magical stuff, and then maybe I could find, maybe I could, you know, get back at the warrior by mating with the maiden, because I bet you she's beautiful. And that would be cool, right? Like, and then you guys would be, uh, my son, he'd, he'd be, like, half God, and I'd have you all the weapons you guys gave me. I, you could put me on some quests, put my son on some quests maybe instead, because that sounds dangerous. But, you know, Miller, Smith, I'm, I'm tired of this warrior and the other gods that think they're hot stuff, right? They're like the Lannisters of the gods. Oh, we're so great. You know, who, who, who put them in charge, right? I mean, we're all equal. You're all equals. But not for long. If you get me, me, you, crone, I don't even need, I'm not even, it's not like I'm like a greedy guy with these boots, like the maiden, or if not the maiden, maybe uh, there's this, this girl that works at this inn that I was at one time, but I forgot what town it's in. So if you remember what town it's in, and then give me that, an inn would be cool, or just some respect, like I go into an inn, they're like, we don't, you know, you smell like the stables, they tell me. And then, the, you know, everybody has a good laugh. And then the hound tells me to wait in the stables. And he goes in, and if we had any money, he spends it. He's not even the real hound. Everyone knows it, but they're like, I think he's like making fun of the hound. So maybe if you could have the hound come after you drop the anvil on the fake hound, I'll run. Then I have the real hound show up. Or even the mountain. Just don't let me know ahead of time so I'm not near there because the mountain's crazy. And uh, like I said, those boots are a priority because uh, the rainy season's coming. And um, uh, some magical weapons, maybe a magical like 
jacket or armor if it's not heavy. I don't like heavy armor, but something warm, but that has like wicking properties so that I don't get too hot would be great. Uh, Smith Miller, what about some bread that I can always eat all the time with some meat and cheese and built into it that never runs out? That'd be useful. And I could keep half. I could sell the other half. And I don't want to make sure the hound can't smell it, the fake hound that I have to deal with. And then some sort of uh, light knife, like sword type thing, Smith, that uh, like has magical property to make me strong and like a good, good at fighting. But I don't like fighting that much either. Um, so like a self-fighting sword would be great. That's all I'm asking for, and I don't know, wake the, don't, well, don't wake the crane up, crone up, she's going to get mad, but just wake her up and remind her of this stuff, all right, and tell her, again, you guys don't need to marry the crone, I'll marry her, I don't know what the laws are up there with you gods, and I don't buy this whole seven sides of one coin thing, I know you guys are independent, and you're tired of this nonsense, so wake the crone up, tell her I'll marry you, you guys don't have to marry her. I'll do whatever, but I, and then the the maiden, I would just like to, you know, have some kids. But we could work that out, too. I'm sure you guys probably have stuff going on anyway on Earth with, I mean, women or whatever I hear. But just don't get them pregnant because I don't need any competition, okay? Um, That's about it. I um, hope you guys are good. I hope this, uh, we can work together because I'm... I'm I know you guys don't get enough prayers, and I'm just praying up to you guys in the crone. Miller, Smith, you're the best. And I'm not even a Smith, so it's not like I'm like, or a Miller, or an old person just praying to you because we're similar. Like, I'm different than you guys. And, but I still pray to you because I understand, you know, the value in, in having gods that are good at doing stuff or old and know stuff. And, uh, you know, Smith's just praying to you because he wants, you know, to take care of his Smith stuff or his milling stuff, his mill. That's garbage, right? Or an old person's like, oh, crone, watch out for me because I'm old. Like, I'm not waiting around for that, okay? I'm not waiting to become a Smith to pray to you or a miller till I have a mill or wrinkles till, you know, I'm here. And that's the main thing I want to tell you guys, okay? So... If a warrior asks about me, just tell him, you know, whatever you guys think of something. Because I don't think I need, uh, uh, let me know. Yeah, I don't want to mess with the warrior directly. And um, yeah, if the maiden asks about me, tell her, I'm, you know, tell, tell her uh, I'm too busy. And then see what she does. Okay. So yeah, that's it. Uh, it's a grown ass about me. Tell her I love her. Uh, you know, okay. All right, guys. Uh, that's it. I'm praying to you because I'm the most respectful. Um, sanct- sanctimonious is that the right word? Or uh, um, I'm the praiser of you guys, the praisiest. You know, I've got the good prayers. I know they got these seps and a bunch of stuff and the talking tree stuff, but no, I'm I'm old. You know, I'm. Or a new God. I mean, I'm, 
unless you guys, if you guys want me to pray to a tree or whatever, I'll do that. And we maybe we could get the tree involved, like the tree god. Maybe that tree guy could help us, like he could hold on to the warrior and we could take turns punching the warrior. That's a good idea. So I'll look into that. And you guys take care of the boots for me, okay? Just remember the boots. They're like green with fur trim that, and it comes off. It's cool, huh? It's got some sort of belt buckle for the fur trim around the boots so that uh, can put on the winter. Saw this guy. Thought he was great with the boots. So that's it. All right, so I'll talk to you guys soon. And uh, like I said, don't wake the crone up if she asks. All right, good night.